welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read Parashah Naso after receiving the Torah on Shavuot, on last Shabbat. Uh, we experience again the receiving of our Holy Torah. And we come to read this portion of the Torah, which is a very supercharged portion with a lot of thought-provoking themes. Uh, in one of the themes, it talks about the, um, the, the obligation of the man to bring gifts to the Kohen. And it says in the Rashi that a man who gives to the priest the gifts that are due to him, he will have much money. So from here we know that uh, Hashem, He requires from us, He commands us to give tzedakah, to give our maser. We're supposed to give 10%, at least 10%, maximum 20% of our earnings, of what we earn. And we should give to, to the tzedakah. In these times, people would take it to the Kohen, to the Kohen Gadol. And um, Rashi comments here, that uh, that any man whose wife deviates from him because then it jumps to the portion where it's talking about the sota and who was the sota the sota was this woman that a husband thought she was being a, an adulteress uh, it was not something that was confirmed it was something that he couldn't put his hand on he thought she was an adulteress and there's a whole process for this wayward wife, uh, assume a wayward wife uh, that was done to her in the times of the Mishkan, in the times of the temple. Uh, the husband would bring this woman that he suspected of being uh, unfaithful to him. He would bring her to the Kohen Gadol and the Kohen Gadol would uh, uncover her hair. And from here, from this Torah portion, we know that women, Jewish married women, should have their hair covered. It's a, it's a sign of modesty, of refinement. And uh, when the woman has her hair uncovered, it's a sign like of being naked. It's her nakedness. It's humiliating. So the Kohen Gadol would take off her head covering and he would take waters from the urn and he would mix it with a parchment of paper that had the name of a Hashem in it. And from here we know that Hashem is willing to erase his name for a couple to stay together, for there to be Shalom Bait in a home. It's the most important thing. And uh, she would go through this process. And so if she was guilty, her womb would uh, expand and she would just like uh, explode and just die. The man that had been with her would also die. And if she was not, not uh, guilty, she would be proven that she's innocent, that nothing happened to her. Then she would be, um, she would be very fertile. She would have uh, easy labor uh, if her kids where would be born, there, these kids that would come after this experience would be very fair-skinned, very white, and, the, and she would be very honored. So we see that uh, the Rashi says that any man whose wife deviates what is written above, and a man's holy items shall remain his. If you hold back the gifts for the priest, you will certainly need to come to him to bring the sota. So we're seeing in this parasha like a thread of cause, consequence, cause, consequence, that when we live in a certain way, when we don't do 
uh, what Hashem expects us to do when we're not fulfilling the commandments, we're not living in tune with our godly spark and with Hashem, then uh, one thing brings to the next. And then this portion jumps after the Sota and starts talking about the Nazarite, the Nasir. And who is this Nasir? This Nasir is someone that um, wants to abstain from wine. He, he lets his hair grow. Um, it says it's like 30 days, a person can go even more, but it's 30 days that a person doesn't cut their hair. They don't drink wine or grape juice or eat grapes, anything that has to do with grapes. They abstain themselves from uh, being in contact with a dead corpse. Even if it's their family, they cannot go and bury them. And it's something they take upon themselves, um, uh, which is a very, for 30 days you would say, like, it's not that, that bad. It's like if you go 30 days on a diet, it's okay. And they promise you, you're gonna lose all the weight. So yeah, you can do it, it's something doable. We have people in, their, in the Torah, in the Tanakh, that were Nazarites from birth. So we have Samson, the famous Shimson, who fought the Philistines. So from birth, he never ate grapes, he never cut his hair, like all his life he was a Nazarite. He was a very holy person. And you have also the prophet Shmuel. And so we see that this Nasir, this Nasir who takes upon himself this, why does he take upon himself this? It's because he saw the Sota. He saw how humiliated she was and he saw it. And because of that he saw it, he, he takes upon himself to go into the other extreme so he doesn't fall into temptations and he doesn't fall into sin. So one of the primary alahas, Jewish laws of Anasir, as we see, is that he can't drink the wine uh, for at least 30 days. And the Lev Simha writes, this parasha teaches us a profound lesson, and it is a great wonder that a person accepts upon himself not to drink wine, kosher wine. We're talking, it's a person that is, it's, it's, it's a kosher person. So he says, for a short period of 30 days, and he already reaches the level of a, of a tzaddik. It's like, it's incredible. He reaches a level that the crown of God is on his head and he's holy to Hashem. From this we learn of the power of a Kabbalah Tovah, of a person who accepts upon himself a small amount from heaven. And we see that a person that does a little bit for, for, for God, he takes upon himself 30 days. I'm not gonna drink wine. I'm gonna go the other extreme. I'm not gonna cut my hair. I'm not gonna be in contact with a dead person. We see he takes this little thing for 30 days and he's gonna receive much more of, of divine aid, like the crown of, 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 on his head. So the Torah writes, that the and the Ibn Ezra writes, this means doing something amazing because most people follow their temptations. And this person distanced himself from his temptation for wine, and he did this for Avodat Hashem. He did it to please God. You know, uh, we have two, two energies within ourselves, two souls. We have a godly soul, spark of God that I've talked about, Mamish, a, a spark of Hashem within you, and you have an animalistic entity also within you. It's, a, it's an animal. So you have the ability to live a life dedicated to God, or you can 
very easily fall into the world of pleasure and materialism and self-centeredness and what is in it for me and how can I have from this world and take from this world instead of being a person that is living a life where he's thinking, okay, I'm in this world, what can I give God in return? He gave me life, I'm here. What can I do for him? So Rebbe Israel of Husaten uh, was once walking with his gabai, his secretary, and a person was passing by, and he was very impressed because he looked very regal, this rabbi. He looked like royalty. He had a majestic uh, appearance. And he asked the gabai, tell me, who is this rabbiner? Who is this rabbi? I want to know. He has, such a, has such, such a presence. And the gabai replied, he's not a regular rabbi. He's not just like anybody else. He's a wunder rabbi in, in Yiddish, a wunder rabbi and this means a wonder rabbi and so the man asked so what do you mean by a wunder rabbi what does that mean and so the Husiatner Rebbe heard him and he answered him he overheard him and he replied you know there are rabbis who lead a city there's others other rabbis whose influence are in their neighborhood. There's other types of rabbis who rule over themselves, and this is a wonder rabbi. This is a person that is, um, is a wonder person. You know, what is a wonder person? A wonder woman, a wonder man. This is, is a person that is able to control his, his impulses, his nature. So, so we see that the Hustener's Rebbe's son, the son, he says a story, which is in his book, the Ohale Yaakov, and he adds the Ibn Ezra, where he quoted above, that means that he did something amazing, because most people follow their temptations, and a person in control over his desires is indeed a wonder person. So this, um, this uh, Nasser, this Nazarite, even though he took upon himself to, to, to abstain himself from these temptations of the world, he, he did it so he could turn to the other side. You know, Maimonides always said, Rader Rambam, go the middle path, go the middle path. Don't go so crazy to one side, don't go so crazy to the other. Go the middle path, be a normal human being. But sadly, humanity, <laughs> It's very hard to be in the middle path. People fall either to one side or they fall to the other side. Either they take all the pleasures of the world and they go crazy with them, or they just abnegate themselves from everything in the world and don't have anything from the world. So the Rabban says, like, take the middle path, be an, a normal human being. Don't be an excessive person, not to one side, not to the other. Keep the middle ground. So the, the Kedusha, the, the saintliness of a Kohanim is that uh, he, doesn't get, he doesn't have contact with the dead people. And so in a certain way, when the, when the Nasir, people would ask, oh, where does he get his holiness from? Oh, for sure, he's getting his holiness from the other side. He's getting from the Tuma, from the, from the Sitrafa, from the other side. And so he would abstain himself from 
being in co contact with the dead people so he could be like a like the status of a Kohen, that his Kedusha, his holiness, his saintliness would not come from the other side. And people would say, oh, I can see that it's coming from the face of God. So the Ashlich adds, the Nasir is even greater than a Kohen Gadol, because a Kohen Gadol's crown is the holy oil. He is being anointed himself by Hashem with this holy oil, but the Nasir, on the other hand, it states, for the crown of his God is on his head, and the Nasir's crown is HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. It's God himself. Why? Because he is abstaining from the pleasure of the animal, animalistic desire. And when a person is able to abstain himself from deriving pleasure for his own self uh, soothe, you know, people need to soothe themselves, self-care, self-love, self, 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 and I'm not against that. It's good to once in a while have a manicure and a massage and feel good, but when it's all about you, it's about you, you, myself, my, me, 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 then it becomes a problem. Because yes, we need to be healthy. Yes, we need to be feel good. We need to be happy. We need to take care of our pains. All these things, I'm a hundred percent. But you don't do them because you need to self care. You do them because you need to self care Hashem. It's because to be able to fulfill Hashem's mitzvahs in this world with joy, with alacrity, with strength, with uh, you know, with agility, with uh, will, with desire, you need to be okay with yourself. If you're not okay with yourself, you can't be okay with anything else. But you don't do this self-care uh, schedule because you need self-soothing for yourself. So the Bal Haturim writes that when one becomes a Nasir, he might reach such a level that the Shehina God's divine presence resides on him, and people witnessing his spiritual transformation might suspect that the source is an impure spirit, not Kedusha. Therefore, says the Baal Haturim that he refrains from becoming Tamei, impure by having contact with a dead corpse. And so we say that when a person makes these changes, even if it's for 30 days, even if a person abstains himself for something that gives him tremendous pleasure for 30 days, this makes an imprint on him. It changes him. It changes him. It, it, he's not going to be the same person after he does this, because something that is consistent that you're doing every day and you're doing with a holy purpose and you're doing with the right intention is gonna have an imprint there there's a story of a man that couldn't have children he went to one of these saintly rabbis i don't remember which one of them and the rabbi said go and learn musar musar is the um, is a is a is the way to refine your midot it's one of the ways that you learn how to refine your character traits go and learn musar and for two years this man was learning musar and suddenly he started having children so he went to the to this rebbe and he asked him how did I, how did this happen he says because once you learn musar you change your whole your whole character traits. You're not the same guy. You're not that impatient person. You're not that angry person. You're not that jealous person anymore. You're not him. So you're a new whole 
whole new person. So whatever decree was decreed for that other person is not decreed for you now because you're not that person anymore. You're not, you're not that, that person anymore, so you don't need that decree. So the power of self-sacrifice, really of Mesirat Nefesh, is it's another expression of, um, of us being able to contain ourselves, and in that way, we fool the Yetzer Hara, the, 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 that part of us that is always trying to make us fall. And the sages teach that a person doesn't sin unless he, a, a spirit of folly enters him. Folly in, in, in Hebrew is called shtut, stupidity, folly. And so a person will never sin unless a spirit of folly enters him. And how does a spirit of folly enter you? How this stupidity comes into your head and then you become vul vulnerable to fall? when you read the wrong books and you see the wrong shows and you're connected to the wrong people and your whole life is being you're being fed all this foolishness inside of your head which is uh, antagonistic to torah values you go with the other values it's it, they don't go hand in hand and when you're connected to the foolishness of the world the shtut then it goes inside of you and you become um, able to sin. But a person who doesn't allow this foolishness to come inside of them, he won't sin because he knows very well where he is. He's connected to God. And so the only reason a person sins is really because he feels he's not connected to Hashem. If a person is all day uh, aware of God's presence in his life, and he knows that God is looking at him, and he knows that Hashem put that test in front of him, and he knows what Hashem is expecting of him, it is much harder for that person to fall into the shtut, into the foolishness of sin. They, it's, it's, it's very hard to, fool, to fall down. So we see that we can use this self-sacrifice uh, in a rational way, uh, we see that the Jewish people have this ability to give up their lives for God. It's something that we we seen it through centuries of persecutions, crusades, holocaust, in, uh, all these type of um, attacks on Jewish people where they're trying to convert them to another religion or, or they're doing things to them because they're Jewish. And they can go easily into a gas chamber singing Animami and the Shema Israel, and they're giving their lives for God. They have the ability to sanctify their, their lives in the name of God. They, every Jew has this ability. Every Jew. Even if he's very far away from Hashem, at the last minute of his life, he has the ability to do this. So we see that uh, if, if this is irrational, this is something that has no rationale, that a person who has never kept a Shabbat, never keeps kosher, didn't do a Brit Milah, like can go through life so disconnected and suddenly they put him to the test and he's willing to give his life for, for God. So we see how this Mesirat Nefesh today, this self-sacrifice, Hashem doesn't want us to die in His name. Hashem wants us to live with His name. So we see today 
in our free democracy society where everything goes, where everything is allowed, we see that when a person takes a leap of faith, like this Nasser that abstains himself from the wine and from all these other things, uh, and a person today, he can go against the current and he says, okay, you know what, I'm gonna keep Shabbat. I'm gonna keep Shabbat, I'm gonna start keeping Shabbat. I don't know if my business is gonna fail, I don't know what's gonna be. Hashem says I have to keep Shabbat, I'm gonna keep Shabbat. And we see that people out of nowhere start keeping kosher, start keeping Shabbos, suddenly they take out their kids from a non-Jewish school, put them in a Jewish school. So we see that this is a, a, a power that the Jewish soul has to be able to give their, their life for God. And there's a story told of this professional comedian. His name is Richard Morris. He was the original writer, writer of the David Letterman show. And one day he woke up and he says, you know what, I'm gonna start keep, keeping Shabbat. I'm gonna start keeping Shabbat. And suddenly the Yetzer Hara came and said, but are you crazy? It's, it's Friday nights and Saturdays are the days that you make the most amount of money. And he says, you know what, I'm gonna take the leap of faith. I don't care, I'm gonna keep Shabbat. And you know what? He became even more famous. So we see that we can get stuck in our limited cap capabilities of, or have faith is, uh, it really to have faith connects us to our unlimited capacities. We were limited people, but when you take that leap of faith, when you jump out of yourself, then you connect to the infinite. And foolishness is also the only way we can relate to God. So you have unholy foolishness, you have holy foolishness, because when we do things like keeping Shabbos, kosher, and not wearing garments where you have linen and wool together, or you're not mixing milk and meat together, all these hooks, all these hooks which are irrational, supra-rational, when we take this leap of, of faith, which is a foolish, it's a foolish thing to do because it has no rationale, then we see that this is the right foolishness that we should be connected to. So I wish you a blessed week and remember, live a little higher. Thank you.